Everyone and their grandma seem to have pages upon pages of advice for new travelers. And if you listen to every single piece of advice out there, you'd have enough to fill up a swimming pool. When I started traveling, I did absolutely no research, which is also not a great idea. In today's podcast, I'm breaking down the five things you need to know and that I wish I knew about your next travel destination before you go. Kayla on the Road, the podcast is all about sharing stories about life on the road and at home as a digital nomad. Through stories, tips, and interviews, I want to inspire you to create your own travel memories by taking the overwhelm out of planning. Join me every week for a beer and a laugh as I recount some of my favorite travel stories, even the not-so-perfect ones, all while chatting logistics about planning your next or first trip abroad. Hey friends, welcome back to Kayla on the Road, the podcast. Today is all about sharing my best advice for folks out there who have yet to take the leap and start their travel-filled life. In the age of the internet, we literally have everything we could ever want to know about any potential travel destination at our fingertips. Frankly, I find it a little bit overwhelming. So I came up with my list of the five most important things you should know before you get ready to travel. You ready for this? Awesome. Then grab yourself a beer or whatever your bevy of choice may be and get ready for episode two of Kayla on the Road, the podcast. So as I like to do every podcast, I'm going to start with a little bit of a drink. So today I'm drinking Late Bloomer from Muskoka Brewery in Ontario. This is a Kolsch with elderflower and blueberry. I love me some blueberry drinks, especially in the summer. Um, so this is from their small batch Moonlight Kettle series, and I'm so excited to give it a try. Oh yeah, that's good. I feel like I say that about everything. I do just love beer, but this is a really great fruity, summery beverage. It just reminds me of like sitting at a cottage, which, you know, if, if you know the Muskoka region at all is cottage country up in Ontario, um, not the cottage country that I'm from, but still a cottage country, beautiful cottage country. Um, and yeah, that's, it's exactly what that reminds me of. Anyways, uh, let's not waste too much time. Let's get right into the show. So um, the five things that I think you should know. We're going to start off with number one. The question that you should always ask after picking a destination is, do I need a visa? Now, I know a visa is kind of a foreign concept, especially if you are from Canada or the United States and you're used to traveling just across the border because all we need is a passport over here. But depending on what country you're going to, you may need a visa. We are privileged as Canadians that our passport can get us into a lot of countries without a visa, but there are still some where you need them. Uh, for example, when we went to Vietnam, we needed a visa. When we did a simple fly through China, we needed a visa. So it's really important to ask yourself that because that may factor into your budget. There are also different types of visas. What is the purpose of your trip? Are you going for work? Are you going for study? Are you going to just be a tourist? Something also to note 
is that each of those types of visas carries its own circumstances around it. And the amount of days that you can stay will depend on what type of visa you have. Most countries that have a tourist visa are about one month long. So that means you can stay in that country for about a month before you have to leave. And then you can come back into the country if you so wish. Um, but you will need another visa for that. So that's really important to note, especially if you want to do some extended travel uh, going around from country to country. Something that you really need to pay attention to when it comes to visas beforehand is how you apply for them. There are several different ways to apply for a visa. Are you applying in person, by mail? Do you have to go to a consulate or other government office once you get to the country of that you're visiting? Um, most of the time, you have to do it beforehand. So I think... In Vietnam, we had to print out all the pages. We had to get it signed over here beforehand. Um, and we also needed new pictures, which brings up another important part of the whole visa conversation. What are the components to it? If you're visiting somewhere on a tourist visa, most of the time, all you need is a picture. You need your picture, your passport, and the documents that they ask you to fill out, uh, basically saying, I agree to this, I don't agree to this while I'm in this country. But if you are, say, um, working abroad or studying abroad, there are some other components that you may need to look into. So, um, for example, when Andrew goes away for work, he gets business visas. So that's basically a letter from, he needs a letter from his employer, as well as a letter saying where he graduated from, he needs his diploma, he needs his last resume. So there's a lot more that can go into some of these visas. So if you're a tourist, as opposed to working, you're going to need significantly less. And I'm going to assume that most of the people listening right now fall into that tourist category. Anyways, very important because visas don't happen overnight. Um, most of the time, if you do need a visa, it needs to be done in advance, um, whether it's like a couple months or a couple weeks. It's always great to know that before you head out because no one wants to show up in a foreign country where they don't speak their language and realize that they don't have the proper requirements to get in. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to know what kind of visa you need Andrew and I made a mistake when we were traveling home from Thailand. We booked our flights online and we assumed because they went through, there was no issue. But the day we got to the airport in Bangkok and we were flying out, we got stopped and they told us that we weren't allowed to take the flights that we had booked. Even though we were allowed to online, we weren't allowed to actually take them because what it had it doing was stopping in China twice. So it had us stopping in China for a two-hour layover, landing again in China, and then flying from there back to North America. Unfortunately, because we were landing twice there, we didn't fall into the requirements of a, um, of a commuter's visa. So the visa for someone who is entering and then exiting the country. What you need to fall into that category is to fly from and to a different country with China in the middle. So for example, um, from Bangkok to Shanghai, and then from Shanghai to New York, just an example. Um, we didn't fall into that category. So they had to reroute our flights. We ended up getting routed to a different airport in um, Shanghai 
And instead of our two-hour layover at our first airport and then going to our, our next flight, um, we actually had 24 hours all of a sudden in Shanghai. And because we, it was less than 25 hours, we fell into the commuter visa. So now we had the opportunity to go and actually spend a whole day in Shanghai. We landed at night and they brought us to a, um, a hotel I think we had to pay for the first night, but the second night, because the layover was so long, the airport and the air, um, the airline actually paid for our hotel. So the second night we stayed where they were and they gave us food and stuff like that. It was so great. The people at the airport were great, but it is something to avoid because, um, our flight pattern could have been completely different and we could have saved so much time and energy and stress if we had looked up the visa requirements in the first place and actually understood it. So it's so important to look at the places that you are flying through as well. It's not just the country of your destination. Look into all of the visas. Even if you're landing somewhere and driving, you know, all of those are important. Uh, do not pull on us. I swear it was the most stressful two hours of my life just waiting for them to rebook us on a new flight and even <laughs> the worst part was when they did rebook us they said oh your flight leaves in, in 20 minutes it's boarding right now it's on the other end of the airport and we just had to run I think it's the most running I've done in my life I think it's the fastest I've ever run in my life I am not a runner um but yeah save yourself the trouble do not do that Find out if you need a visa to go places or to take a certain flight. So number number one, do you need a visa? So number two is an important question that I always like to ask is what is the currency and what is the conversion rate? Currency and conversion rate can definitely affect your budget when it comes to traveling. A good way to set your budget is actually to make your budget in the local currency. How much is a meal? How much is a drink? How many meals am I eating a day? How many beers do I need? How much is a hostel for a night? If I wanted a nice meal, how much is that? Once you know those kinds of things, you can add up the budget in that local currency and then do the conversion to your currency to figure out how much a day you should be budgeting for this trip. This is something that we do every single time and it actually has a big impact on which regions we decide to visit because not every place in the same country is going to have the same cost of living so for example in vietnam from place to place the cost of a beer could range from three dollars canadian all the way up to eight dollars canadian for the exact same beer so that kind of played a really big part on deciding which cities we wanted to visit one of the other important things to know when you're looking at the currency and the cost of living is what it converts to back home. I think it's really important to learn um, as soon as someone says a number to you, have an idea of what that means back home in your head because that'll give you a better idea of how much you're actually spending in real time. So yeah, you might have this pocket full of money that looks foreign to you, but if you can understand what each piece of money represents back home, you're going to be way more money conscious. You're going to save money in certain places. You're going to be less likely to be ripped off because you understand the value of that money. And in overall, your money is going to go a little bit farther than it could have if you were just throwing your money around willy-nilly. 
Another important thing to note in this category is that some countries have multiple currencies or accept multiple currencies. If you're traveling down south, say to somewhere like Mexico, it is very common that they actually accept American money as well as the Mexican peso. So it's really good to know which one will give you a better rate while you're down there, especially as someone like who's a Canadian. If you have to change your money anyways, is it going to be better for you to change your money into American money or to keep the peso? A lot of times um, we kind of get lumped in as Canadians um, and people assume that we are American and prices will be quoted to you in something like an American dollar, but chances are 80% of the time, 90% of the time, the local currency is actually going to have a better conversion rate than something like an American dollar in Mexico. Number three, I think this one is really important and it's kind of a no brainer, but what language do they speak there? Do they speak multiple languages? Are there dialects that you need to know? For example, if you're coming to Canada, yes, we are predominantly English, but there is a large portion of the country that speaks French. So depending on where you're going, it might be worth your time to start learning some key phrases because those go a long way. They can be the difference between you coming off as a tourist who is only out for themselves versus someone who is interested in trying to learn about the country that you're in. In Vietnam, for example, they speak Vietnamese, obviously, but some of the hill tribes actually speak a different dialect. So we did a, tri- uh, we did a tour in the mountains with the Hmong tribe in Sapa. And I said hello to one or, th- or thank you to one of the women who, were, who was guiding the tour. And she actually, um, corrected me and said, oh, that's not what we say. We speak a different language. So this is actually the word for thank you. This is actually the word for hello. And um, I think the fact that I tried to say it in Vietnamese did impress her because it meant that I was willing to learn a different language. I was also going to be willing to learn a little bit about her language as well. And that made her even more friendly towards me, which was great. But I always try to learn some key phrases before I go. You know, there's always like the classic hello, goodbye, thank you. Um, I often find that I need sorry. I don't know if that's just the Canadian in me, but I always want to say sorry if I get in someone's way. And uh, obviously the most important one is beer. (laughs) So, yeah, Um, kind of going along with that. My number four for you guys is travel etiquette. Now, travel etiquette can mean a bunch of different things, um, especially depending on the country that you're visiting. But I think it's super important to learn what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable behavior in the country that you are visiting. I don't know if you remember, but a couple years ago, there was um, there were a couple people who got arrested for dancing inappropriately next to a sacred temple in Cambodia. Now, this is something that would have been easily avoidable if they had looked it up beforehand. Um, What they didn't realize, these tourists, was that this whole area was designated a sacred site and not just the temple itself. So anything within a certain radius was included in that. 
I think when we forget to look at things like that, it shows that we are uninterested in the other culture. I think one of the main reasons to travel is to learn about a culture. And even if you don't accept what they are doing, I think it's important to look at what they are doing and learn about why it is they do the things they do the way they do them. Even just from Canada to the United States, things are incredibly different. Even just visiting someone's house, I know that it's very common for people to wear shoes inside the house in the United States, whereas in Canada, almost every single person I know asks you to take your shoes off at the front door. And more than anything, it's a cleanliness thing. I think especially with our muddy, muddy winters and falls, we have a lot of dirt and we don't want them tracked around our houses. Um, But it's also like, you know, shoes on the furniture. I don't know. I guess it's, it's funny. Like it's something that I didn't realize was an actual difference until I got to high school and I saw it in a movie one time and it just blew my mind. But I visited some family and friends in the States uh, not sure, like soon after that. And yeah, they I kept my shoes on the whole time. I, to me, it's just kind of uncomfortable. But there's a reason why people do that. And I did not fight it. I said, okay, and I learned from it. You have to remember also that when you're visiting these countries, you are representing your country or a country that people are mistaking you from being from. As Canadians... As a white woman who has no distinguishable accent, um, people often mistake me as being American. And so everything that I do not only reflects back on Canadians, but also on Americans. And for that reason, I feel like I need to act respectable no matter where I go. I want to continue to travel. I want to continue to be able to see these places and meet these people and have them welcome me with open arms. And the less respectful you are, the less likely they are to be welcoming to someone who is from the same area as you, who is from the same country as you, with those open arms in the future. So just keep in mind that it's not just about you, it's about everyone that you represent when you are traveling and when you are away from home. So my number five, my last point here, it is so, so important that you look up the must-sees for the country that you are visiting. Now, I know that people can kind of go one way or the other on this issue. Um, For some people, they do not like to go to the heavily touristed areas. For other people, they have to see everything that they have seen on Instagram or Facebook, and they want those must-have photos. So this, this is important whether or not you fall into either of those groups. I think it's important to know where the tourist population is going to be. This kind of affects prices. You know, a highly touristy area is going to be more expensive to visit than something that may be a little bit more off the beaten path. It's also going to be more likely to be a place where um, you are going to find scammers. Um, You know, they prey on the tourists who have all the money. I can't tell you, I I swear it's like three or four times that Andrew and I got scammed in Thailand. I think it was partially because we are just smiley people overall. But we decided we wanted to go to Bangkok and... 
Yeah, I, we literally got to our hostel, dropped our bags, started walking around, uh, and I think we had to go, we had to get on a plane somewhere soon. Like it was, we had a very short time period before we needed to be from one place to the next, and a woman saw us looking at a map and took advantage of us right away and said, oh my goodness, oh, you're trying to find this, it's right over here, here, I'll get my friend to grab you. She waved down a tuk-tuk with like record speed it pulled over we were in the tuk tuk the next thing i know we're at a dock and they're trying to funnel us into a boat and we're like no we have to be somewhere we can't take a boat ride so we ended up having to walk back all the way to where we started our journey and we actually didn't get to check anything out um you know it also happened when we went to uh one of the big temples there we showed up at the wrong door and they're like oh the temple's not open today and shoveled us into another tuk-tuk, and off we go to this man's jewelry store. Um, so, yeah, that that's something that you're going to find in those touristy areas, and it's really important that you are aware of that. Um, you know, maybe I'll do a whole episode just on, like, the common scams at some point. But, yeah, learn from my mistakes. Um, avoid those touristy areas, or learn how to navigate them uh, in a way that won't make you a target. If you are the person that wants to avoid the touristy areas and you're searching to find out where the popular areas are so that you can avoid those areas, this is a great option. Not only are you going to be able to see um, which cities are the heavily populated ones, but you can also find out which cities have the airports and things like that internally. So if you're flying into Bangkok, but maybe you aren't the Bangkok type of tourist, you want to go to somewhere like Kinchanaburi, which is something that we did. We found out that there is actually a train that you can take. So we spent very little time in Bangkok and just instead got on a train right away and went there. It was much calmer. There were not as many tourists, more locals walking around. It was still a touristy area because I feel like anywhere you go, you're going to find tourists unless you go way off the beaten path. And in that case, you're not going to find a lot online about any of those destinations. But um, it does give you a chance to really put yourself into the culture a little bit more, which is really cool. Another great example of us getting off the beaten path is actually when we were in Thailand. I feel like all of my examples are from Thailand. We just had, it was, it was a trip that we got a lot of time in every time place that we went to um but we looked at ourselves and Andrew and I realized that we are not partiers not that we're not partiers but we're not partiers like the young fresh out of college or university travelers you know we're a little bit more um we have a little bit more experience and we don't feel like we need to go out every night and get trashed so we actually found a friend who had worked over in Japan and he recommended an island that we should go to. So we ended up going there. So it was Koh Lanta. And Koh Lanta was a lot smaller than, say, um, Koh Phi Phi, which is known for their full moon parties and stuff. Koh Lanta still had full moon parties, but not as big. And we actually, um, we chose Koh Lanta because we were told that it had the most beautiful beaches and our friend 
was not wrong. They did have the most beautiful beaches. Unfortunately, it rained the entire time we were there. I think we got into the water maybe once and it was gorgeous. But I remember sitting in like a beachside bar and just watching this torrential rainstorm come in all around us. But going to somewhere like Kalanta meant that we actually had our pick of where to sit on the beach as opposed to a ton of beach chairs laid out, beach chairs that you have to pay for, um, hawkers walking up and down the road trying to sell you tiny little wares from their cart. You know, we got to avoid all of that stuff because we did go off the beaten path and we did ask what's the popular area, what's an alternative. Um, And I think there are a lot of great hidden gems like that. I'm sure we did some in Vietnam and they're just not coming to me right now. So I think it's, it's really cool to see what you can see if you don't go to the touristy areas. Just remember that if you are going to less touristy areas, it means that they are less likely to deal with tourists on a regular basis. It means that they are less likely to know even a bit of English. You're gonna have to be a little bit more um, aware of how you're communicating with people. You may wanna use your dictionary a little bit more. Those may be the areas that you need a translator or you know, your your phone for a dictionary whenever someone talks to you. Um, But I think some of the best stories come out of opportunities like that. If you're getting too involved with what I was saying and can't remember what I was talking about way at the beginning of this podcast, uh, basically the five things that I think you need to learn before you go and visit the country that you are so excited about, you should figure out whether or not you need a visa what the local currency and exchange rate is, what language they speak, the taboos or social etiquette of that country, and the must-see locations. All right, so thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you got a little bit out of this. I hope that you avoid some of the mistakes that I made and that you do your research and you learn about these countries. And it's not just a tourism thing for you. It's a travel and culture and exploration thing for you because I think that's when you truly get more out of your your vacations, your travel. Um, join me next week. Every Tuesday from here on out, you should have a new one. Don't forget to click that subscribe button because that will make sure that the new episode is delivered straight to your favorite device and you do not have to go in and download it. It'll just be there on Tuesday. Um, so yeah, if you want to continue the conversation, if you have anything to add, if you want to tell me what your best travel tips are, you can always continue the conversation over on Facebook or Instagram at Kayla on the road. Anyways, have a great week guys. And I cannot wait to see you on the road soon. Bye.